I've covered a lot of sporting events. I've been to a lot of things. I've seen a lot of pain. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think there's a worse possible way to lose a game than that. So how are you feeling? At the time of this recording, it's been about four days since the dog's heartbreaking loss to Alabama in the national championship game. I can only speak from personal experience on how I handled this, and it was a lot of reflection and bargaining during the ride back to Athens. Then there's been zero, and I mean zero, watching of ESPN or other networks on TV. And as far as the radio in my car, well, I guess you could say I've discovered a lot of great podcasts out there about business and personal stories, finance, and travel. So... I guess you could say I've become a lot more well-rounded since Monday evening. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 127 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Will Leach and Tony Waller, my two co-hosts, join me on a Skype call today, and the tenor of our discussion doesn't really focus on the game breakdown. That's not what y'all want to hear right now, and definitely not what we truly want to talk about. We dive into how we felt, how we currently feel, and offer up some hope for the future of this program, and the future is bright. And before we begin, y'all certainly remember the Rose Bowl video I made, which has made its way around social media. I posted a new video on my YouTube and Facebook page today titled, A Bad Ending Doesn't Ruin Georgia's Season, where I recap how I felt after the game, but interviewed a handful of Athens residents and Georgia fans to get their thoughts on how they're coping. Makes an interesting watch, in my opinion. Make sure you go check it out. I'll put the links to it in the show notes of this episode. And okay, it's time to pull the Band-Aid off. Will is going to kick us off with this episode, and we'll get through it together, I promise. So here's episode 127 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. A thing they do for the people in the press box at major sporting events is they make an announcement about fourth quarter, seventh inning, they say, after this game is over, before you get a chance to talk to anyone uh, or interview anyone, there will be a 15 to 20 minute, quote, cooling off period where players just get to go away. Coaches get to go away, talk to each other, just get away and don't have to deal with the press the minute that they walk out of there. Gentlemen, I think it is suffice to say that this podcast needed a four-day cooling off period. <laughs> I think, uh, obviously, this is the longest we have gone after a game without having a show. I think everybody could understand that we were not ready to talk about that game on Tuesday. I don't think anyone was ready to listen to that game on Tuesday. I'm not sure people are ready to talk about or listen about that game right now, but we do have a podcast, and it felt like we should talk about it. I really feel like the first question for each of you guys, how are you guys hanging in three days later? I'm doing fine. I mean, I'm working through the stages, of course. Still disappointed. Still can't believe we got that close <laughs> after a season of look this um I, I have long advocated that this game showed a couple of things it showed that we belonged on the stage that we're no longer punchline we're not this laughing stock and and scott i'm i feel like you're going to chime in on this part but it, it feels differently than the the braves misses and the falcons misses and and whatever other the misses are that you want to lump in there as, you know, Georgia sports mystery. Um, but most importantly, this didn't feel like an epilogue. It felt like a prologue. I didn't want to talk about it on Tuesday. I still, to this day, it's <laughs> Thursday evening. 
I still have not turned on a TV other than like HGTV or Looney Tunes. And I have not watched ESPN. I've not watched any news stories. I've not listened to anything but podcasts that don't relate to sports. In fact, Will, you know I'm doing that because I sent you one yesterday of Radio Lab. And I've discovered some, you know, this is similar to what happened 11 months ago at the the Falcons lost the Super Bowl. I, I discovered a lot of different things that I realized that I was neglecting and it's kind of been a, a nice cooling off period for me on my creativity. Tony and I ran into each other today. Cause I was like, doggone it. I'm going to do something creative today. And uh, I was going to kind of put together a post-mortem video on the Georgia loss. And I interviewed Tony about it. And, um, you know, I, but I was completely and utterly numb, shocked and catatonic after that game. Jennifer didn't know what had happened to me for the first 45 minutes on the ride home. (laughs) I'm curious. We're going to obviously talk about the game itself. I would be curious. I think that I I think that's a good way for us to talk about next and what people's experience in the moment uh, when the massive stomach punch happened and in the time afterward, I, as you guys know, one of the reasons we couldn't do this podcast right after the game is I had a 6 a.m. flight. If you could believe that I had a 6 a.m. flight to go. I'm doing a talk show for Sports Illustrated. We taped it on uh, on Tuesday. Tara Lipinski. Uh, I, I I may have hallucinated having her on as a guest. It was a long night, uh, but I I, uh, I my flight left at six o'clock. So I. Of course, obviously the game got over and I had to write my column, which I think, I hope, I think seems to have gotten around a little bit and we can talk about that too. And then I, and then I immediately went to the Airbnb right across the street from the stadium, slept for about 100 minutes <laughs> and then got on my plane and then taped a show and then taped another one. It was just a, a full long day. I slept as if I had been dropped out of a plane is actually how I <laughs> hit the bed, uh, that night. And so I really was running so quickly that I didn't have a lot of time to process. I, when I taped the show, I'll have you all know I was wearing a Georgia pin on my, the pell of my suit. Uh, and it was funny. Someone pointed out like, well, that's great that you're supporting the team, but it feels a little bit like an Athens strong ribbon. As if, like, <laughs> some, like, horrible, some horrible thing has happened. And it's like Athens strong, Athens strong. And I will say, I don't mean to make light, of course, of, of more serious things sure. that happened, but uh, I think there is definitely, I've gotten that vibe. I've just gotten back tonight from New York, Thursday evening. feels like I've been out there for 40 years, but uh, I've been out there all week. So I've just been getting reports of what it's been like back here. The sad little pop-up merchandise stands. They're like half off, buy one, get two free. <laughs> and all of those things going around town. I was delighted to see that my son's school uh, let out to greet the buses when they came back. I feel it's my sense that why, and correct me if I'm in, if I'm wrong on this, it is my sense that even though obviously people are upset and people are sad, generally speaking, there hasn't, with some exceptions, which we've noted on Twitter a couple of times, there hasn't been a lot of fury and Kentucky basketball like stuff. And I think there's been an appreciation of how much fun this season was and how close they got rather than just anger, but honestly, it just feels like everybody, it just feels like it's been raining here, even when it wasn't. To take in the actual moment, to fully appreciate the moment that the the pass was called, I think you have to back up about you know 15 or so minutes in the real world and go to the missed field goal, because 
you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm bargaining and I'm trying to figure out, God, we're going to lose this thing, you know, but if he misses it, here we are. And my body misses it. And suddenly it's like, Oh wow, this team of destiny thing's real. Yeah. And then, and then even, even more ridiculously, we come out in our first possession and we get sacked and we think we're off a goal range. Let's send, let's send hot rod out. So he just replicates the crap he pulled off just at the end of the first half. The rose ball. It. Just right? it. Right. And you think like, and then the sack happens. You're like, oh, oh, this is happening. Yeah. This thing is really happening. Went all the way back to the Finland had in the in the first half. Like literally all the way back to that. And it was like, this is actually happening. And then just to like for a split second when Taga Lavoya was dropping back. I count the corner of my eye, I could see the receiver streaking. And in the corner of my eye, I see, I see the safety coming over. And I see like Sanders is coming over. It's going to be a close play. And I'm like, Sanders is entirely too slow for this. And suddenly it's, uh, you know, I, I just, I didn't see the play end. I just sat down because I knew, I mean, much in the same way, uh, I tell you what, exactly the same feeling I had at the end of the Auburn game with the prayer of Jordan Hare uh, when, the, when the ball got tipped up. Exactly the same feeling. I didn't watch the end of that play. I knew I knew what was going to happen, and that is the way I felt. And I think, like a lot of us, I sat in the stands and watched, and was just like, because part of me wanted to soak in and maybe to revel in the hurt a little bit because of what both had been felt like had been ripped away so quickly, but also to get a sense of what we were missing because God, I'm hungry for it now. It was tough, and I happened. I mean. Tell me if you're shocked here, but I had a camera panned on Jennifer and me because I was ready to record the celebration and I got our actual gasping disappointment uh, and I've watched the footage and I'll tell you exactly what we did. We're patiently waiting with anticipation because the sack had just happened. And then literally you see me say, oh no. And then Jennifer drops and the guy next to her takes his glasses off leans down, kind of gives a dead gummit. You know, he's like a very like Christian man, you could tell. And then he folds up his uh, program or something, and you can tell he's about to get get out of there. And I did remember seeing the confetti and everything falling. And I looked down because we were way up, and I had to look down to climb down all those uh, flights of steps. But um, I just looked down, and there were a couple of Bama people, like very few in our section, because that stadium was predominantly Georgia, which was great to see. But there were a couple of Bama people in there, and they were kind of like high-fiving each other, typical like, name a city that's not a metropolitan area in Alabama. And that's kind of like they sounded like they were from. And then my, my wife made me laugh. She made me laugh within about five minutes of us losing the worst game I've ever experienced to lose. She kind of saw those women talking, celebrating, going like, Woo-hoo, you know, that type of thing. And she was like, you know, Bama fans remind me of the spoiled rich kid on Christmas morning when they're opening their present and they're asking at the same time where their next one is and tossing the previous one quickly to the side, which is never to be played with again. Right. I was like, you know what? You're exactly right because they have all the toys right now. Oh, they're just taking happiness. buddy. And I can't take credit for that. Uh, Yeah. And Jason dropped that on me uh, Tuesday morning. So, well, it's funny too, because you're right. One thing I think you got key there, Tony, that I think of all the storylines, again, we've still only talked about the last play, but of all the storylines of this game, the thing that I think is key 
and I wrote about this in my piece, and I feel like this is something that is important to hang on to because I wrote a piece after the game that does seem to have gotten around. And I, you know, I was tired. I, I knew every minute it took me to write that piece was a minute I was not going to be sleeping before I did my big Terry Lipinski interview. And I'm really sad and I'm really upset. And I was trying to think how do I how do you even do this? this everyone's going to want to write, write about this crazy game and how amazing it was. And I realized. I just couldn't help but think I did not talk to you guys. I was obviously in the press box, but I couldn't help but think of you guys, and I couldn't help but think of my friends. I couldn't help but think of my kids and my wife and how upset everyone was. And not just that I've covered a lot of sporting events. I've been to a lot of things. I've seen a lot of pain. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think there's a worse possible way to lose a game than that. I just, I just, I don't know if you can do it worse than that. In all honesty, I don't know if you can lose in a worse, more painful way. I, I mean that independent of Georgia fan, of, of the fact that I root for Georgia, uh, to, to not only have it to lose on a last play like that, but to lose after after the missed field goal, when you're like, it's happening, this is happening. And then to have the Rodrigo boot and then the sack, it felt like here it comes and everybody's there and the noise is rising. And so I, and then to have that happen. So I wrote the piece. I thought, what do I want to tell a fellow Georgia fan right now? And I feel like I needed to talk to them as if they had been in a car accident because it's the fan equivalent of a car accident as a traumatic experience. I felt like I was talking to someone who had gone through a, a traumatic experience and was dealing with the post traumatic stress of it. And, uh, and that was the and for me though, and that's what I thought was key was, and that's why I'm glad you brought that up, Tony. I don't like connecting this. I mean, obviously, there's obvious reasons to make a connection between this and the Falcons Super Bowl, but to me, this does not feel. And I've talking to people who are not Georgia fans and not Alabama fans that like you can make an argument the Falcons choked. I think you can make a strong argument the Falcons choked or got conservative or made bad decisions that put themselves in that spot. I don't feel that Georgia choked. I don't. I feel like I don't. No. Feel, I don't. I do not feel that they choked. I do not feel that there was this cosmic thing that happened and everything landed on them. It was an unbelievable game played between two fantastic teams, and one of them had to win. And they had a quarterback who made a play that. How many NFL quarterbacks can even do that look off the safety like that? Not very many. We're going to see people playing in the NFL playoffs this weekend, quarterbacks that cannot do that. It was a beautiful, perfect play from a true freshman. And for me, that's why I want to hang on to this idea that, like, in 2012, you watched that team. In the last time they lost to Alabama for this, too, you watched that game, too, and you thought, man, we just can't beat these guys. We just can't beat these guys. And one of the things that was thrilling to me, even now, even in the pain of all of this, is Alabama had to adjust. Alabama was the one that had to had to make the panic move, which was a smart panic move. Georgia went up to Alabama and punched them in the face and pushed them around, which is something that just has not been done in nearly a decade in Alabama. For to see that, to me, that while on one hand it makes it a little bit more discouraging, you're like, oh, we actually did it and still couldn't close it. On the other hand, to me, that is the perfect sign. Just like you're talking about, Tony, it's prologue. It was so encouraging to see Georgia go up and. And, and push the game the way exactly the way that they wanted to push it and to succeed and make Saban make the adjustment. And that's something I, I when Scott and I talked today, I, I brought up. It's like, you know, we made the transcendent coach of a generation go to the place he has worked his entire career to avoid going to, which is 
making a move that he has no idea how it's going to turn out. <laughs> well, I mean, we literally did that. We, we made Nick Saban. We made him do the thing he is most scared of doing. And it paid off. I mean, give, him, give them credit. I get that people listening to this are going to be like, don't start with the uh, hope and don't start with the feel good and all that. I'm hurt over this game. Everyone is. But I don't feel the same way about this that I felt after 2012. If, if you're honest with yourself, you shouldn't feel the same way because we have in a very short span gone from Georgia can't, can't quite win the big game to Georgia not only won the big game. They also took the team that has made no one else practically, uh, certainly no one else in the SEC, be able to win the big game and essentially beat them with their own game. Uh, and that is something that really hasn't happened since Nick Saban's been in Alabama. So Georgia beat Alabama with their own game. Yes, Alabama's lost football games. I mean, and we and we saw Auburn beat them this season. We saw Clemson beat them at the end of last season. They played different games. Georgia literally went and out physical, matched up with Alabama, particularly in that first half. And I would even argue some in the second half. You know, I mean, we can we can break down individual plays. We sack Tua when he makes that incredible run to the right. No, I'm going to run to the left instead. Or, you know, we we don't have a, a freshman mistake. But he just takes a sack there. Or, you know, we, we can discuss the officiating. We, we get a personal foul call down when we're inside the 30, and now we're kicking a field goal instead of having to do a, a crazy semi-fake pooch punt. I mean, there are a lot of things we can look at. But, Will, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you, you pointed out Georgia did not choke this football game away. We can, in hindsight, say we, we could have done things a little differently that might have changed things, but there is no chance whatsoever that you can be rational about this unless you're just looking for hits on a website and say that Georgia choked this game away. Well, I got a question for you. Uh, I think on our last podcast, or maybe the next last podcast that we did, you quoted Ivan Mazel when he was interviewing Kirby and kind of how you know we were talking about how he almost brought him down saying it's not going to be like this again. We're not going to be able to repeat this glorious 2017, how fun it was, how exciting and everything. I almost feel like, and I'm actually kind of posing a question. Do you think with the way this game ended, it's almost like, okay, now Georgia fans rally together. Not that we haven't in the past, but almost, it's almost something different this year. We rally together and we say, we're not going to let this happen again. Sure. We might not even make it to the playoffs next year, but we're going to have that same, we're different. We're Georgia. We, we light up the stadium at the fourth quarter. Nobody else does that, that we own that we own tradition. We own having a good time. We own traveling like crazy to all these games. Do you think that maybe because of the way this ended after the scar tissue forms a little bit more and July runs around and then it's preseason again, do you think that we might be able to rekindle this fun, frivolity and just Kirby smart ad attitude. Do you think that could almost be rekindled again just because of this loss? I think frivolity, I think there will be less frivolity. Uh, I think I'm glad you mentioned that word because I think, I don't know if you can have a dream season like this again. I think when you win a title, this loss will elevate the sense of euphoria and also the sense of relief because that sense will be elevated because of this loss. I used to always joke, uh, I used to write about the Washington Nationals about how when they were really good in 2012, but the, they were still so kind of new to baseball in Washington that uh, the, the fans needed to get hair on their chest. They need to suffer a little bit before <laughs> they really, and they certainly have uh, since that time. <laughs> yeah. But 
this is the type of loss that puts a little bit more hair on your chest. And I feel like that's kind of what it did. So I don't think you can have a season like this one. I mean, this was the Rose Bowl. This was Notre Dame. This was all of these new traditions and all of these great things and the seniors and all of that. I'll put it this way. What this season did was the reason you can't repeat this season is now expectations are raised. Expectations are raised to the point, and we'll talk about this more in future podcasts. We don't have to go too much down this line. But I think that expectations are raised now that if Georgia doesn't win the SEC East next year, it's going to feel like a disaster of a season. And this loss is going to lurk even more. It's going to hurt even more because you're like, oh, wow, we're farther away than we were now. However, if they do get back to a national championship game and win it, we'll be glad this game happened. But only in that scenario is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> probably, probably the best way to put that. Uh, a couple things about the game itself. Um, if there's one person that watched this game and thought, well, no, maybe it's Justin Fields. <laughs> because, man, from he still made some mistakes. There were still some mistakes. There were still some underthrows. But I... We talked all this time. He hasn't had to make this type of throw. He hasn't had to do this thing. That pass to Hardeman was as beautiful as a pass as I ever saw Jacob Eason throw. And, oh, yeah. And that is something that I've been saying all year. Can, can he throw the deep ball like that? That's what they're going to miss about Eason. And by the way, we'll talk about Eason transferring to Washington uh, uh, later. That was as pretty as a pass as I've seen a Georgia quarterback throw. Uh, and frankly, that uh, Aaron Murray did some great stuff and did some great things, but that was a big boy throw. That was an NFL throw. And to watch him, and again, there were still mistakes, and he was the true freshman that didn't uh, uh, win the game in overtime. But certainly, to see what you went with from, to see how much he stepped up, to see how huge he was, we went from... Wow, George is throwing the ball too much to, hey, George is running the ball too much to just let Fromm win it uh, to, hey, it's from an early Heisman leader for 2018 in the span of one game. And to me, that shows just how great he was. Yeah, and that the drive there at the end of the first half, that was really impressive. I, and I, I hear what you're saying about the throw he had, but uh, that was a really nice, well-managed drive. Just really, really bring it out. There are quarterbacks have been playing college football for three seasons that can't pull that drive off. Just that simple. Just the think of all the big plays and the Sony tiptoe run. And here's a question. Have you guys watched highlights of this game? Have you said, have you watched highlights? No, I've, I've watched a few. Um, I I have gone back and watched a few key plays. I have evaluated the last play a couple of times just because I'm that way. That's kind of the way I, I process stuff. I mean, the highlight reel for this game could be as long as the one for the Rose Bowl, and it, which is funny considering it had half the scoring. Uh, I find myself trying to take po- some positives from this game, other than what it uh, what it holds to the future. Can I say one positive is UCF fans get to be annoying to Alabama fans for the next twenty years rather than Georgia fans? That's an upside, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> that was one thing I was like, well, at least they're not going to be bothering us. <laughs> that is one uh, potential upside, uh, to say the least. But yeah, obviously, guys, uh, it was rough. It was rough. But I found myself 
just so proud of him. To be honest, I don't, I, I, I'm always wary of saying stuff like that because it sounds kind of infantilizing. Just kind of like, like, good job, kids. I'm so proud of you. Like, like, oh well, thanks, Dad. Like, I, 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 I'm wary of saying stuff like that. But man, I was just so proud of him. Like, they just, they, the thing that you wanted to see from them, they did. And and for me. I will not, and again, we'll have a later podcast because I think we'll, we'll have to have a sit down podcast. I think sometime in the, in the next week or so, uh, to like really kind of work through all of our, uh, all of this and, and see where we are moving forward. But I will not look back at this season negatively. I just won't, I can't. And, and I don't see any way. I, I just can't. Like that was, they didn't roll over. They didn't get beaten. They won this game until they didn't. I don't want to talk about their officiating. I just don't. I feel like, yes, some key calls obviously went against Georgia. The offside call, I think, is probably the most brutal one. To be fair, that is almost always called, even when it's not offsides. Uh, it's still a wrong call when it happens, but uh, I felt bad for what's the, who, what's the name of the sophomore that uh, the blocked the kick? Simmons, Tyler Simmons. Simmons. Yeah, Tyler Simmons, and he was—he yeah. seemed very upset by it, uh, but, but like he made well, a great play. Well, I will say, and that's one of the places I went back and looked. I had a Twitter back and forth with uh, an Alabama fan just because I posted the SB Nation link with the with the videos in there, and his point was that Alabama should have been called for false starting, and he might have been right. So anyway, there there is some solace to be taken in that if they had actually gotten the call right, right, it's a dead ball and Alabama right. backs up five yards. Right, 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 right. But more to the point, we've seen a little bit of this. I'm sure you guys have been you guys have been in Athens all week and I haven't. So I'm sure you've probably seen a lot more of it. But you're lucky. Can we just not? <laughs> I have to say though, if Georgia would have won, I would have been like banging my head against the wall watching everybody back in Athens and being stuck in New York. So at least I, one thing I guarantee you, next there I'm never getting on a flight at six o'clock in the morning after Georgia plays in the national championship again. I'll quit whatever job I have if I have to do that. <laughs> Tara Lipinski can wait, but uh, I will say that um, like let's be grown ups about this. I, I, I'm not worried about the three of us, but we've seen. Uh, let's not be the fan base that makes this game all about the officiating or always talks about how we got screwed over or I want to feel proud of this team. And frankly, I want to feel proud of this game because we should. And, uh, and I think if this as hard as this was, what you do not want to see is to see it curdle and to see it turn into something that ruin that that takes away with from how joyous this season has been and how proud of the, the the of that team we should be with that national championship game performance and that Rose Bowl performance. I don't want those things soiled. So we're all gonna have to process our grief and our process our sadness about this. But I really hope that we don't see this curdle and sour. I'm still not really over what happened last February. And, and I was, I was really worried that that was going to hold on for a long time. And now I've got this dumped on top of it. And of course, because I tend to get this way and I, I'm not this way. All, I'm, I'm like a glass half full guy all year long for any kind of situation. I think that's why I thrive with like last minute deadlines and everything. Cause nothing really bothers me. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just worried. I'm really just worried. These type of things, it's kind of like the things that haunt you. And this is what haunts me and I'll get over it, 
but it's never going to go away. And, you know, some people might argue that's a good thing. Um, I'm sure I, I could agree with that in some circles, but it's, it's been tough and it's still tough. The only thing that has really put a smile on my face was one, my wife's comment after the game. And then two, when I went out today and talked about, I don't know, seven to eight random people and they were all cheery and, and looking forward kind of like how we all should. But, uh, you know, it's going to take a while for me to get over and it's going to be a lot of, uh, just quiet thinking in the car and, uh, just kind of shaking my head going like, I can't believe it. And then just, I guess the, to sum up to my, be the final point is that my kids, my boys who, you know, everybody y'all know that are so, uh, rabid with their fandom, you know, they're asking me the same questions I'm asking myself and I don't really have a good answer for them. Well, Will, I will say that, uh, I have, uh, I guess a different approach. Um, and, and probably, you know, we talked about Alabama fans. I will tell you in, in, in my experience, it might've been different. I encountered no Alabama fans. I certainly didn't encounter Alabama fans acted the way after the 2012 SEC championship. In fact, what told me probably the most about where, where at least where Alabama fans think George R's, they look genuinely surprised they won the football game. Mm-hmm. I mean, genuinely surprised. Um, and, and I, I, he's got to hear the comments. I actually a pretty good one that, you know, they're like the rich kid on Christmas. Oh, cool. What's next? We're going to put this. That's cute. We got another one of these. We're going to put this one in the pile over here. Um, I think the, the Alabama fans I saw were happy, but no one was in my face and no one was, there was not, it certainly wasn't the way it was after the 2012 SEC championship. And, you know, I, I'm not quite ready to say I'm proud of this game, uh, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say I'm proud of this team, not just what they accomplished, but how hard they played, what they showed on the field, and how they represented the University of Georgia. And in particular, those guys that came back and gave up a year of making an awful lot of money to put their the team above what they could accomplish individually and to um, to be a part of this special thing for the University of Georgia. One of the things that was exciting for me about this game is uh as as it was is this didn't feel like there was nothing sad sack about this loss there was nothing sad sack about this loss this was this sucked and it was a really really painful loss but it wasn't uh georgia just can't get out of its own way or there go they go cursed again it was just like i'll put it this way you gotta play really great and transcend a whole lot to lose in a way that's this painful <laughs> is probably the best way to put it. Like if Georgia hadn't have stepped up and played so and, and and been as great as they were in this game, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to lose in that horrible of a way. And in a way, that's you know that's what I tried to hit at in my column was the idea that like this like this pain is good. Like this pain it doesn't feel good. It still doesn't feel good, but it is good because it's clearly the start of something, and it's clearly something that when it happens, we're going to remember how we felt. And it's going to be great. I think my final point on why this all hurts is because this team was so daggum lovable. I've never experienced a team in recent memory that I genuinely just adored watching. I I adored the characters on it, the teammates, the coaching staff, those seniors. uh, You know, I was just pulling for every everything to go well. It wasn't even really for me. That's kind of a byproduct of it all because I get to like enjoying their success. But I really just wanted those kids to go out the way that it seemed like the book was being written. And that's what breaks my heart. All right. Well, we need to like sit down and have like a big 
group therapy session podcast after once, once we've gotten through this a little bit, I actually sit down for over a few drinks. Uh, Cause I think, I, I mean, it's, it's been, you know, it's been 72 hours and I'm this still, helps. I, it helps. helps. I'm still a little shook guys. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, I'm yeah. saying positive, but like, it's still obvious. I think a lot of the listeners are too, but uh, we will do a big uh, moving forward and like little recap of, uh, of all the, uh, uh, some of the wonderful moments of this season, just have like a little reflection and then moving forward podcast. We'll do that in the next uh, w- uh, week or so, but we obviously need to talk about this game and I feel a little bit better that we did. And, uh, and Hey, you know what guys? Athens strong. Okay. Athens strong. <laughs> Athens strong. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, in the next, I hope everyone, I, hope, I hope all the listeners out there. I would be curious. Tell us over Twitter, frankly, or or uh, or or uh, email us, or however you want to do it. But I want to hear some of if people when people are ready, they can tell us their story because I've I've I still get a sense that people are still kind of cocooned a little bit, <laughs> kind of in the fetal <laughs> position. I mean, it, this has certainly helped me to be able to talk about this. Yeah. I suspect it will help other people as well. I mean, they have 280 characters. They got a lot of real estate. Exactly. 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 And you can go on forever on Instagram. So, you know, you can do that too. <laughs> um, all right, guys. What a year. What a game. Now let's go. I'm going to go still go back to the fetal position now. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Even though this season, the football season is over, it doesn't mean we're taking months off. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Could be next week or perhaps the week after, but another January show will certainly happen. Keep up with us on Twitter. Our show's handle is at WSLS Podcast. And as you've heard us mention a few times in this episode, Will wrote an amazing article that he published on sportsonearth.com, which is a kind of a way to help us Georgia fans cope with the disappointment that was this great gut punch of a loss. I'll link the piece that he wrote in the show notes of this episode, along with the newest video that I created and the social links to all of our ways that you can get in touch with us. So that's it. The college football season's over, but Georgia basketball should be interesting as they're playing well in a few games in the SEC season have already taken place. We'll definitely make sure to keep you updated on that. Say hello to us if you see us on campus. Have a great weekend, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.